You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hi, welcome to Nick Luck Daily, Wednesday the 19th of October. Tom Stanley in for Nick and we're staying largely domestic today, though we will have a bit of Breeders' Cup chat with Rafe Beckett, who sends out Kinross, who's an all-but-certain runner in the, the Breeders' Cup mile. Rafe had a, a winner in the National Hunt Sphere yesterday at Exeter on, on quick ground and, and that is largely the tale, particularly in the, the south and west of where we are national hunt wise i'm afraid we've we've got cheltenham this weekend there's good to firm the going description currently uh, we've lost taunton next week we might lose wincanton this weekend and perhaps beyond they've got some big meetings on the horizon lydia hislop broadcaster and journalist joins me now and, and lydia we could do with some rain couldn't we we really could. Um, it's going to be a bit of a stuttering start, I think, to the to the jump season, um, and it's the the kind of thing that, with climate change, we could potentially be be looking at in the wider term, in the long term. It's something that the industry is going to think about in terms of its strategy. I know that the racing leaders are locked away uh, talking about that and talking about governance. But one of the fundamental things that they're going to need to think about is the impact of climate change on the sport of horse racing and whether tweaks and changes need to be made, particularly in terms of the the layout of the fixture list and and maybe the ebb and flow of the seasons. Looking as things stand at Cheltenham, where field size-wise, 160 entries for Friday, that goes down to 114 for for Saturday. Paul Nichols was quoted earlier on the week saying he's not likely to have a huge amount of runners. Uh, Gordon Elliott's well represented. He's got got thirty one entries. I know, but I suppose today will be pretty telling for Friday with with how many declarations we get. We are recording this pre decks. Absolutely, uh, there is some rain according to the forecast that I've read you at Cheltenham uh, today, but that's light rain and the heavy stuff, um, which is coming apparently, isn't actually going due to arrive until Friday. So some connections, if they want a bit more ease in the ground, it's currently good, good to firm in places, might hold on and hope. Otherwise, there'll be horses that have been busy over the summer and certainly in the early autumn who will be fit, ready to go and used to this kind of ground and they'll be the ones that will be dominating. And I expect Gordon Elliott to be dominant over the two days. Your um, weather forecast of, of choice is? Well, um, I kind of I go between two, actually. So I use the BBC, but I also use that Norwegian service, service YR.no. Um, I, li- I like to compare and contrast. A couple of opinions. You like to, to balance them out. Very good. I'm, I'm a lazy, I'm a lazy BBCer. Whatever they say, got to be right. Job done. <laughs> well, we were we were talking earlier. I mean, there, there needs to be more balance in the BBC's weather weather forecast. Just looking at my YR dot. I know um, they are saying there's going to be uh, 2.7 mils of rain at Cheltenham and uh, less um, on uh, tomorrow and more uh, 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 on Friday. So that concurs with the uh, BBC forecast. But of course, you know, that race course can be a um, an area to itself and sometimes the uh, rain goes straight past. Now, in there are some potentially very interesting matchups. I, I say we're potentially because obviously we're not definitely going to get them. But but what, what catches your eye at this stage, Lydia? Well, looking... 
to Saturday and there's a four-year-old hurdle, um, the Masterson Holdings hurdle over two miles. And it features a load of horses who ran into each other in the Triumph, headed by the third Pied Piper. It's an interesting um, reacquaintance with Knight Salute, who, of course, uh, they they date back to their clash at Aintree last April, um, which ended up being decided in the stewards' room. Um, the it was a dead heat, and then Knight Salute was ordered the race outright because it was felt that Pied Piper had caused interference enough that, with an uninterrupted run, uh, Knight Salute uh, might have finished in front of Pied Piper. That um, interference happened at the final hurdle. It was quite a talked-about demotion uh, at the time. So it'll be interesting to see how the two of them match up. Of course, Pied Piper has got the better form at Cheltenham as compared to Knight's Loot, and I feel like Knight's Loot is better suited to a, a flatter-type track. But it's not just them. There's Porticello and um, Dr Parnassus as well, who showed um, a pretty good form. And interestingly, John McConnell is sending over Inatondu um, from Ireland as well, or potentially is send, sending over that horse um, who uh, has uh, some graded form um, from Fairy House in April as well. So so it should be it, it that could be very interesting and also at this time of year and i will sort of uh, underline that um i'm still yet to uh, unplug my um flat racing brain and plug in its place my jumps brain so i'm very much doing this uh, to some degree off, to, off the top of my head i well, find you're, you're saying I can't this to deal someone, with both at the same time you're saying this to someone who rather embarrassingly on air um during a flat meeting somehow got onto the subject of last year's champion chase and couldn't for the life of me remember who won it so <laughs> <laughs> it's just so embarrassing, but it one one does take unplugging definitely and plugging the other back in. Exactly, and I've got three more flat meetings to cover, uh, so I can't afford to uh, disconnect my flat brain just now. But uh, this uh, a week on a week on Saturday evening, that is when the great change around will happen, and I sort of you know wind down like that that robot in the in the House of Lords and need rebooting again on the Sunday morning and I'll uh, emerge as a, as a as a jumps person. Um, but yes, I'm, I really like novice chases. They're my favourite type of event, really. And so I'll be looking with interest at those races, um, it, uh, particularly at Cheltenham this week, weekend and also beyond. Well, I mentioned Gordon Elliott had a, has a host of entries Friday and Saturday and, and we've touched on Pied Piper as well, who's sort of the the big pull, and um, particularly up against Knight Salute. Gordon joins me now. Um, how's the horse done, Gordon? All, all happy with Pied Piper? Yeah, he's in good form, Tom. We're happy with him. Um, obviously, it's his first one after a break. He will come on a bit far, but I suppose just looks a nice starting point, um, especially with Andrew and Jeremy Brown with Carlo Construction being there. UK based, it's nice to have a lot of them over there, you know. And, and you know, Cheltenham, I mean, that Cheltenham performance last year obviously leading into the triumph and he ran great in the triumph too but the, but the, Chel- the, the the performance leading into it was was electric it, do, do you sort of feel that you know Cheltenham is his track? Uh, it seems he's ran there a couple of times he's ran very well at us um, I suppose the one thing I can tell you he will come on the rest of the run but he's a lot stronger to look at he's definitely a stronger looking horse so we're looking forward to show it. Is he a champion hurdle horse Gordon? I look he's going to have to improve on pasture like all them juvenile tactics but um and I mean, is that is that the only realistic target he's going to have this year, or 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 might you mix it up? Could he jump a fence this year, or does he stay hurdling? No, he stay hurdling this year definitely. No, he definitely won't jump a fence this year. No, he's big enough to jump a fence, in my opinion, but I think at the moment he stay hurdling. Let me be honest. 
I mean, this the, the champion hurdle division this year, maybe we come into every year saying it looks strong, but my God, this year there's depth to it, isn't there? Yeah, it looks strong, right? It looks strong because um, this, he, he's got a lot of different roles to go because obviously he, uh, he doesn't have a great own penalty, so he's, uh, we can step back great twos or threes with the way after John sees. But uh, look, we're starting to talk to Cheltenham and we'll learn a lot about the rest of the year. Um, all right, I, I know you've de- declared five or six for Friday. You're going to have a few going Saturday. Are you worried about the ground at all? Is it going to be quicker than ideal for a few of yours, do you think? Uh, look, a lot of the horses are running our horses are probably going to run a lot somewhere in the summer, so it won't mind them. But I suppose there is one or two if it was very quick, it wouldn't be ideal. But look, I'm sure Cheltenham is always a very, very good job done on the ground. Um, but, you know, it's just been a horse the way the weather's been so good, you know, and um, Everyone's just going to have to make their own decision whether you run or don't. But, um, you know, I've chosen to do a wonderful job and couldn't blame them at all. Mm. Um, have you declared Ashtree Meadow? Haven't seen. Ashtree Meadow's appeared in the Novice Chase. Yeah, he got the Novice Chase on Friday. And, uh, you know, he's got a little break then. I've been back for spring. He doesn't want to go down. Yeah, I mean, he, as you say, he's handled um, he's handled a sound surface. Um, you must be pleased with what he's done over fences. Yeah, he's been a great turner. I was really happy with him in the call of players. Um, you know, I think he's also going to be for a big handicap next year. Or it'll be a lot of trip and suit him well, but uh, he wants to look forward to next year. Uh, OK, and, and just anything you you know is likely to, to rock up on, on Saturday. Will Tully Begg likely rock up in the handicap chase? Tully Begg on Friday. Um, on Friday, the handicap chase. Um, Saturday, we've got chemical energy, gas pipe, pipe, or... Um, I've five or six runners to be honest. So actually, yeah. Sam and the Gallagher are spilling brain. I just have got a lot of fun to me, but uh, we're five or six hundred balls. Okay, yeah, Tully Begg going in the in the novices limited handicap chase. That's right. He was also in the uh, in the the open handicap chase. Um, and do you know what you're going to do, Munster national wise, yet, Gordon? Uh, I think I've got ten or ten. I'll probably run six or seven. I'll be well. Um, just I have to confirm with all this. Asking we'll work for you this morning, and we'll see how they are. And then we'll make our mind what we do. Okay, you know what I'm going to ask you next because you've got so many in it. What one or two that you feel might be really suited by the test that you're looking forward to in the Munster National? Look, Jack Dempsey runs well fresh, um, you know, so he's probably he could could be going, you know. Okay, death duty, uh, round about a 21 shot currently. Gordon, appreciate your time. Good luck at Cheltenham this weekend and um, and at Limerick too. All the best. Thanks very much, Tom. The weather was mentioned as a one of the the many factors into the jockey club's decision to stick at, at four days um, and I feel we should afford you a chance to to comment on this but I, I thought that was something that that sort of added interest to the to the decision that the fact that Wednesday's weather at the festival and, and how bad it was and 20 mils of rain was another factor they considered uh, not just the the public outcry against five days. Well, I mean, it, it was always going to be a factor, wasn't it? Because at the moment we have four days of racing and it's balanced equally between the new and the old course, or rather in chronological order, the old and the new course. Um, and so what? how were they going to manage um, a third day of traffic? I know in, in total they were talking about a six race card rather than the current seven races per day. That, of course, was, a, was another factor, the idea that you'd be um, asking people to pay a lot of money. And it is a lot of money to go to a premier sporting event. It's, but it's not just the event itself. It's the travel there. And we all know the increased cost of travel these days. It's probably accommodation. Again, those, those costs will have gone up. Um, 
Um, and lots of people will be thinking probably that can I afford to do what I already do, let alone extend anything um, in terms of visiting Cheltenham. So that, another factor was the public getting uh, getting less racing for at least the same, if not more money. And I was certainly very strongly against that. I didn't think that that was um, the right thing to do to racing fans and to people who have paid a lot of money to see a top sporting event. Um, I was strongly against the idea of um, five days at Cheltenham. And I'm uh, delighted uh, that uh, having heard the evidence having ba balanced everything that chocolate race courses have decided to stick with the four days for the foreseeable future. And I uh, congratulate them on uh, them being able to take that, I'm sure, difficult decision, because like many people, I had assumed five days was something of a fait accompli. Yeah, without a doubt. It was wasn't it nice racing news to wake up to? It was. I mean, it had kind of been muttering in that direction for a while. So it wasn't as, as totally surprising, perhaps, but you never believe it until you actually see it in black and white. So uh, that was that was delightful. And it's it is consonant with the uh, Jock Club Race's uh, mission and standing in horse racing that they make decisions for the best, the, you know, the long term good of horse racing. I could not point to a, um, a, a number of things where that hasn't been the case with Jockey Club race courses in recent months, years. Uh, and so I'm delighted that this is one that is strongly in the positive column. OK, also this weekend, we have the Vertem Futurity Stakes Group 1 over a mile at Doncaster. 17 entries at this stage. Aidan O'Brien has eight of them. A um, couple of notable runners potentially for, for John and Thady Gosden. What's what's caught your eye, Lydia? Well, this is really interesting, I think. Um, Aidan O'Brien has strongly nominated Auguste Rodin as their number one. He won the Champions Juvenile Stakes at Leopardstown during Irish Champions Weekend, beating uh, four rivals in an all-domestic field. It was a pretty unexposed field that he beat. They'd all kind of won maidens or novices. Um, the runner-up, Caroline Street, has since been beaten in a Group 3. And Auguste Rodin did it in... Um, it wasn't spectacular. He won it like a stayer. Um, but he went to the front quite easily. He then sort of edged right and seemed to idle and look a little bit green, but he stuck on really strongly to the line. He shapes like the kind of horse that will be using the Vertem Futurity as a stepping stone to ultimately the Derby potentially next season. And of course, Aidan O'Brien has won this 10 times already, this group one at Doncaster, with and also with um, two subsequent Derby winners in High Chaparral and Camelot. That That's the feel that Auguste, Auguste Rodin gave to me rather than the style of um, Aidan O'Brien's past um, futurity winners such as Saxon Warrior and uh, Magda Grisha who went on to win the 2000 guineas um, but it, we'll see because no doubt that experience won't be lost on him He's, his dam was a rhododendron she won the opera the lock-ins the Phillies mile she's a full sister to Magical who has a multiple Group 1 winner, um, mostly over 10 films, but she also stretched out to 12. His sire is Deep Impact, so everything's there to be um, the uh, a Derby-type horse, and he is already favourite for the Derby. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Uh, Aidan also has got eight of the other uh, um, 16 entries. Uh, he's also mentioned a lot, various different targets with them, including the French Group 1s, the Criterium International, and the Criterium de Saint-Cloud is also a domestic target. So it'll be interesting to see which other horses accompany him. You wonder whether the 
other horses that might be significant others at Ballet d'Oil might be more likely to be heading to, to France than accompanying Auguste Rodin, given that he has been the anointed as the horse for the Verte Futurity. You wonder whether they might be heading elsewhere. And I'm interested in the standard of the opposition against him. We've also we've got the Horace Hill this weekend, um, the seven furlong race at Newbury. Um, so lots of his rivals have potentially that option as well um notably air pictetus who was runner up to silver knot in the autumn stakes last time we saw him and he's one of those two horses that you mentioned for the gosdens the other one being arrest yes and that's that's um interesting um if you're a, a fan of arrest which i am that his sole entry is in his vertem futurity wonder if um Judmont can can pull off a a group one double with a, a son of Frankel. Um, well, he was he was really impressive last time at Foslas. Yeah, admittedly it was Foslas, but he was carrying a penalty. And he won by five and a half lengths. And his debut was behind Nostrum, and um, yeah, I was referencing Chaldine there, who who was another son of Frankel who won the Dewhurst. I, I quite liked him. I was quite taken with him, not necessarily at, at Foslas, but the way he battled on at, at Sandown, given how green he was, and and beat the more professional Desert Order on the day, but. Um, hmm. He looks there's, quite a nice horse. There's some others as well, of course. There's some sort of ballast provided by Dubai Mile, who is a rallying second to the Foxes in the Royal Lodge, um, not really handling the dip very well. And Proud and Regal, that Donica O'Brien trains, who brings um, solid group class form, third in the Futurity, second in the National Stakes. There's other, other more unexposed horses. Storm Buster, the wide margin winner of the Haynes, Hansen and Clark condition stakes, a son of Barshiba, owned by Jeff Smith. And there's King of Steel, the massive King of Steel, who won at uh, Nottingham for David Loftname. But that was over an extended eight fellows on soft ground. Uh, you wonder whether there might be some other quicker horses around. And there's also Captain Viz bar who of course was the horse carrying Ross Ryan when he was elbowed off by Christophe Soumillon in that controversial group three it's unclear at the end of September and connections got reimbursed uh, by Christophe Soumillon um, for their expenses going over there um, so it'd be interesting to see if he turns up there might be other plans for him. Uh, yes, uh, I caught up with Rafe Beckett a little bit earlier on. He suggested that Captain Veersbo will head to the Horace Hill. That's mainly because of the, the, the ground should just be a little bit easier uh, at Newbury, he felt. And of course, it's a, a slightly um, less competitive context, it's, it's fair to say. I, I started with Rafe Beckett by uh, naturally asking him about his Exeter bumper win, her 21st Lancer. Uh, I think it was lovely ground, uh, Tom. A uh, third of an inch of rain on uh, Sunday night really helped us. Uh, yeah, don't expect me to have too many more runners at uh, Edsel or anywhere else. Uh, national hunt only. Uh, that could be the last one for some time. Uh, fair enough. Fair he, enough. Uh, he uh, he he uh, he'll be uh, he'll be uh, appearing for another trainer next time out. I'm pretty hopeful of that. Um, gotcha. Listen, um, I know I, I build this as talking about Breeders' Cup, and I do want to do that. But can I just touch on on the weekend and just perhaps run through where your your juveniles might go? You've got you've got three Horace Hill entries, and, and one of those Captain Virgin is a, a possibility in the Virgin Futurity. How are they panning out? Yeah, well, a lot of friends on the forecast, Tom. Um, I think um, I think Captain Virgin, uh, he's we're probably edging more towards the Horace Hill. Uh, I think Grace Monument will probably run that too. Um, Promoter would probably be edging towards the novice at this stage. Okay, gotcha. And will Max Vega likely line up in the St Simon? Yes, he'll definitely go there, particularly given the forecast, but a rain coming on Friday, I believe. 
so that's where we head with him. Okay, um, Captain Viersberg. Sort of, how do you how do you see him developing next year? Or has he got a lot of talent? This horse. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's more of a three-year-old type. You know, his pedigree would lead you that way. I think he'll stay a good deal further than seven, which is um, why he was running in over a, a mile at uh, Saint Clou, or mm. would have done. Um, I think uh, ground is quite important to him, especially at this stage of his career. So, uh, as I say, I think we're getting more rain at Newbury than Doncaster. Obviously, Doncaster will be a deeper race. Yes. Um, okay. What about um, Kinross in in the Breeders' Cup? This horse has had the most phenomenal sort of back end of the, of the season. I, yes, we always knew he was good, but my word, he's he's better than ever. Yeah, I mean, his his last three efforts have been have been um, you know what we always hoped he was capable of, um, and you know he's uh, he, or four efforts, I suppose you could say. Uh, um, I mean, I was a bit unlucky not to be to have won the Lennox as well. I was felt, but that's by the by. He's He's um, you know top of his game and appears to have come out of the race well as well as previously. So we'll see how we feel in ten days' time. But the the aim is to go to to, to America. I don't think trip is that you know uh, you know conditions dictate what trip he runs over. So soft ground, um, you know, I'm quite happy to drop him back to six. Seven appears to be his optimum, uh, optimum, and uh, uh, around four bends, a mile will certainly be within his reach. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it if it all comes together. Um, okay, so it's it's he's an intended runner, but obviously he's had a lot of racing this year. You have to see how he is before he gets on the plane. That's exactly right. And is he? You say he's ground dependent when it comes to trip, but is he? Is he a better horse on softer ground or not? Well, his York effort would say that that's not essential. Um, no, he, he he won the City of York just as easily as he won the Prix de la Forêt. So, you know, against pretty much the same level of horse. So... Uh, I don't think it's. I don't think ground is as important to him as it once was. Mm. As he's got older, he's able to handle quicker ground better. Were you surprised how he handled the the sort of early tempo of a of an Ascot sprint last time, or, or did you always know he he'd travel like he did? I, you know, if you watch back the, the last year's edition, you know he was he, he ran into all sorts of trouble. And in the Golden Jubilee, he was only on fast ground. He was only being two and a half lengths. So the form book told us that he was he he was able for it. Um, it was just it was just things hadn't gone right for him previously. That was all. Hmm. Um, listen, it's great that he's um, intended to head out there, and we wish you all the best. Cheers, Ray. Thanks, Tom. Lydia, Irish rights. 
I feel we we should um, discuss the the fact that a decision on where they are going to go is imminent. It was actually my understanding that um, well, the, the two parties finding out where they were going to go, um, be it Sky Sports Racing or, or Racecourse Media Group, were were perhaps going to know by now. Uh, I don't believe that is the case. So whether or, or not they're immediately in the public domain remains to be seen, because there could still be some some bits to to iron out once a decision has been made we of course have some sort of vested interest in where they go given we both work for racecourse media group but whichever way they go it's going to be pretty significant for both sides it 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 definitely is because it again changes the landscape of uh racing watching racing for british and irish customers uh since the start of 2019 Irish racing rights has been with RMG and therefore shown on um, racing TV. Um, and this change would apply from 2024. It, it recently, Newbury has left RMG to join Sky Sports Racing. Fakenham has gone in the other direction. And I think it's interesting to point out that this is just a two horse race. This isn't a, a, an occasion whereby there are other likely potential i'm not suggesting i mean there may there may have been other bids but you would think in all likelihood that this is going to get this is going to end up with sky sports racing reacquiring um irish racing or um rmg racing tv holding on to them um and also the other thing that was knocking around you and i were talking about this earlier is that there's no um likelihood or possibility of um the irish tracks uh, being split up in the way that uh, tracks have gone in different ways in britain that's because hri who we're essentially doing the negotiating is an arm of government you know racing is very much more closely connected to government in ireland um uh, much to uh, much to the detriment of, of British racing in many ways in terms of being able to make centralised decisions and uh, and uh, set strategy that is that has to be followed and coherently followed across the across the whole country but uh, enough of that um, but yes yeah, so that, that it's it's going to be a, a, as a wholesale package going one way well going one way or staring staying where it is well, sales season rolls on and Tassels is as, as busy as anywhere. Jason Singh from Tassels joins me. Um, do you know what week it is, Jason? How's it all going? Uh, yeah, <laughs> feels a bit that way, Tom. It, uh, yeah, good morning. It, um, it's been, a, it's been a, a crazy couple of weeks over the, the last fortnight. And uh, yeah, everybody, I think, thrilled with um, how the sales have gone so far. And uh, yeah, it makes, makes that long week, uh, long fortnight, uh, easier to get through when it goes so well. Okay, Monday is the start of the four-day horses in training sale. Um, how how different is 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 this um, traditionally to to what we've had over the last three weeks or so? Yeah, very um, very different sale, so very different uh, buying base. Really, uh, this attracts a lot of a lot of people come internationally for this sale. It's normally attract buyers from sort of 30 to 40 different countries traditionally. It's been a little bit quieter through the COVID years in terms of uh, people actually on the ground, but um, we'd expect it to have returned to normal um, by next week. And yeah, we've got 1,500 lots catalogued, uh, probably will offer 1,200 of those and expecting expecting buyers from, you know, throughout the Gulf, uh, Australia, America, and uh, of course, domestically as well. What's the the catalogue shaping up like at this stage? Yeah, good catalogue, Tom. Um, it's a sort of the thing that attracts a lot of people to this sale is is the the larger operations, your Godolphins, Shadwells, Judmonts, etc. All um, you know like to cut 
the numbers at the uh, end of the season, um, especially after they you know, sort of uh, top up with their own uh, yearly purchases and that sort of thing. So it gives people a, a real opportunity to uh, buy some good quality uh, resources and uh, yeah, take them and further afield and, and have some success. So that attracts a lot of people. Um, specific horses in the catalogue this year that I think will. Uh, Appeal to buyers. Waterville, Aidan O'Brien's uh, yeah. Irish Cesarovich winner. Probably didn't show his best on Saturday in the uh, in the uh, race behind Trushan, but um, I mean, he was on 17p with time form before that, so I would hope he would be um, very popular. Um, I, th- I think I think there's every chance that horse will be remembered for that for that astonishing win um, in Ireland in the in the Irish Cesarovich. Yeah, he, he, he certainly looked to have plenty in hand, didn't he, when he um, when he when he saluted in that. So uh, I, I can't see that, that that he won't he won't be popular. Um, the Thunder Moon was placed in the Dewhurst uh, for Joseph O'Brien. He's been he's four year old now, competitive in group races this year. Should be popular. Um, I think a couple of um, two year olds that'll really really catch the attention of uh, buyers. Um, Eddie's boy, the Super Sprint winner. Um, who won a Group Three, the Group Three pre-eclipse in France, two starts ago by six and a half lengths for the Midland Park boys, and was second in the Group Two Criterium de Maison Lafitte last start. I think should be very popular, really. Um, and then the other horse that catches my eye was um, Dubai Mile, uh, Carl Burke's son of Roaring Lion, who was second in the Royal Lodge Stakes behind um, the Foxes. Um, for Ahmed Al Sheikh, he he looks. You know, there's no reason that uh, people who want to have a run in a classic next year shouldn't be looking at him. And we've got, you know, we're on the horizon of of, of campaigns kicking off out, particularly in the Middle East. We've got the you know, the Saudi Arabian season, the Bahrain season, the, the Dubai season are, are on the horizon. But it's equally, it's not just an opportunity for for guys to, uh, and girls to take horses abroad, is it? We we could still see plenty of these in in different hands in the UK next year. Yeah, it, it, I think it's a it's a it's a combination of things. Obviously, the the Middle Eastern um, festival meetings that are that are taking place now um, attract a lot of people. I mean, there's people who buy horses from this horses and training domestically to target those those uh, um, those meetings, not just um, buyers from those countries. So, uh, yeah, they invite everybody to participate. But um, yeah, and those those Middle Eastern countries, you know, a lot of them they don't. They don't have their own sort of established breeding industry, so they need to come to horses and training sales uh, here in the UK and the Tats Autumn Horses and Training Sale just to, to have enough stock to, to, to race out there. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that's the Middle East, but, you know, we're expecting a good bunch of Australian buyers to participate here. The, uh, the, the, the Chris Waller team are really the ones who put this sale on the map out in Australia. Um, they'll they'll be represented. The Borderhouse team, the Freedmans, and the, the Kieran Moore and, and Dave Eustace team as well. We're expecting all of them to be to be active, and and with good reason, given you know the number of, of winners out there. And sort of Knight Order, Zaki, Fierce Impact have all saluted at the highest level in Australia in the last couple of years, which um, you know that's why they keep coming back. Jason, lovely stuff. Hope it goes well. Brilliant. Thanks, Tom. Well, talking about horses heading to Australia there with Jason, one horse that has headed over to Australia ran this morning UK time in the Geelong Cup. That was Rodrigo Diaz. We heard from his trainer, David Simcock, with Nick yesterday. He said he was concerned about the draw, and so it came to pass. He 
was a bit wide. He, he ran a great race. He ended up finishing fourth in that contest. Good race it was. And we're going to continue with the international theme now because it's Wednesday. Hong Kong update with Jim McGrath. You hear me referencing barrier trials quite often in this Hong Kong segment. A barrier trial, it's a stall's examination in its strictest interpretation. It's when the stewards want to see a horse is okay when it comes to his behaviour at the stalls. Okay, uh, depending on where you are in the world, it's the starting gate, the stalls, or as in Australia, New Zealand and Hong Kong, the barrier. But barrier trials have taken on more significance these days. They are used by many trainers as mini-races. You can be as hard or as easy on a horse as you like. There is no rule that says you have to try. It's a very nice way to bring a horse on. Which brings me to Hong Kong's Horse of the Year, Golden 60, and his likely challenger for that honour, Romantic Warrior, winner of the Derby and the QE2. Both had barrier trials at Sha Tin this week, and both are now on target to make their respective seasonal reappearances in the Group 2 Jockey Club Mile on November the 20th. Now, there was one little blip, however, and that was that Golden 60, after trialling particularly well, just whipped around on pulling up and dislodged his rider, Vincent Ho, who took a harmless tumble, and he came back saying that the horses fitted well and ready to go, as you might expect. Romantic Warrior, well, he has a possible alternative in November, and uh, he could be going for another race, but either way... Both could uh, clash with California Spangle, who was particularly impressive last week. Well, that brings me to barrier trials again, and that's talking about Happy Valley today, uh, where there are eight races, and a horse called Starfire Gems, who's been particularly impressive in his barrier trials, makes his Hong Kong debut. Now, he's a horse who comes from Australia. He won there at Sandown Park in Melbourne. He's uh, probably on his right mark in Class 3 at the bottom of the weights there, but he's ready to go. He's trained by new trainer from New Zealand, Jamie Richards. So race six, number eight, Starfire Gems, to be ridden by Zach Purton, of course. He starts from gate number four, and I think he'll be up there all the way. His danger is number two, Power Keep. So take a, a Cornella or a dual forecast, any multiples you like, uh, with eight Starfire Gems and two Power Keep. Now, one other to keep in mind is race seven, number 10, Storm Legend. He's ridden by Harry Bentley. You remember that Zach and Harry Bentley carved up the 10-race program between them about 10 days ago at Sha Tin. Well, I don't think it's going to be particularly that sort of dominance today, but Harry Bentley should figure on the scorecard uh, in race number seven. Storm Legend is a 15-start maiden in Hong Kong, however, very promising and going uh, very much the right way. He was formerly trained in Ireland by Fozzie Stack, where he won twice at NACE. So that's the Hong Kong program today. Good luck and good punting to you all. Uh, Lydia, can you send us away with a winning tip, please? Well, probably not, but I'll give it a go anyway. In the uh, 410 at Newmarket, I'm going to go for Queenlet, who ran in a very competitive race at Newmarket over seven furlongs at the start of October. She then won very comfortably at Musselburgh next time out. She's heading back up in trip today. Um, that should be OK on pedigree. Uh, she's a half-sister to Sweet Enough, who's a horse I very much liked. Um, so it's a queenlet for William Haggis and Tom Marquand, despite her £6 penalty in the 410 at Newmarket today.
Lydia, thanks very much. Thanks to everyone at home for listening. Much appreciated as ever. Uh, by all means, give us up to a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform and subscribe. It makes it easier to listen each and every day. Nick, back tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and thoroughbred racing commentary. Mm-hmm.